1: And face reading is a shortcut to find them. Things that you might never think about or worries that you might have that you're like, oh, I can manage that. I understand it. I see it. I can solve it. Or little glimpses from your past that might spark something for future growth. Stress is the inflammation
0: that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. All right. Today on The Less Stressed Life, we have someone that is going to share about a topic I've been wanting someone to talk about for a while, something that I just find so interesting. And she has such an interesting background, which I cannot wait to dig into because I think so often this happens a lot in life where people are doing one thing with their life and then they start to feel called into a different purpose. So really curious how this happened for Julie. So Dr. Julie Kramer is a certified Qigong Meditation and TCM, which stands for Traditional Chinese Medicine, Beauty Secrets Instructor. She holds a diploma in Chinese medicine, nutritional therapy, and multiple certificates in Chinese medicine and face reading. She also has a PhD in curriculum and instruction and counseling psychology. So I met Julie earlier this week when I had my own face reading for context. So welcome
1: to the show, Julie. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Well, and it's so nice that we've had a little primer to meet each other, even though,
1: yeah. you know, I didn't
0: get to ask all of the things I want to know about you. So let's start with how you just told me off air that you just said, you know, I was at one time a high school, middle school teacher and a camp director and now and then a PhD in curriculum and instruction, counseling, psychology, unwrap what happened <laughs> there. Tell us like why the transition. Tell us a little bit about the life of Julie and where all this
1: came. Uh, absolutely. So my initial career was I started teaching high school at 22 right out of college and loved it. And that came from kind of my roots in caring, like really truly loving people, loving teenagers. I was that consummate babysitter all the time when I was younger and I love content. I was curious. I have a very curious mind. I want to know and understand and I wanted to share that passion. So for many years, I taught high school social studies, everything from AP level world history, US history, government politics, everything but economics, even taught foods for a while, nutrition and all of that. And from there, then I also had a time for seven years where I became an overnight camp director, working with children from seven until 17 plus all of my staff, which I always Called babies caring for babies, right? Cause it's camp staff is young. So really helping them and my passion and really curiosity of what makes people thrive, what makes them happy? Because I was trying to work with my staff to help them understand how to work with their campers, to work on relationships, helping them be happy and so on. And then I just from questions got my master's in psychology. And then my doctorate in curriculum instruction and counseling psychology, because I wanted to know how do the adults, how do the people that work with young people bring out their best? How do they make them thrive, boost their self-esteem, their self-efficacy? And in particular, in my doctorate, I focused on creativity, creative expression, and really looking at how curriculum and teacher environments, just the classroom, could make kids feel better. And one of the things I noticed in doing all of this is that the biggest barrier to happiness was poor health. Kids were not eating well. Kids were not moving. They weren't exercising in classroom environments, hours of day sitting, right? Hours and hours and hours sitting each day. And that along with some personal health problems, I'm going to pause here first and let you ask questions brought me to Chinese medicine. And so let me pause on that first little bit, and then I can dive into the personal journey into Chinese medicine a little bit.
0: How long were you hanging out in? what did you do with your doctorate and yeah. instructional curriculum? I mean, this is just a topic I have fascination.
1: Yeah. So with my doctorate, it was really cool. I'm so lucky. The first project I took on was working with the Denver Art Museum, helping them build their online creativity resource. Really, they knew they wanted online instruction for all of their artwork and they didn't have a path. So I worked with them to identify to use the creativity of the artist to inspire creativity in students. And we did lessons for pre K through high school. And I recruited a lot of other teachers and curriculum instructors to write that. And totally on an opposite thing, I worked with the Department of Homeland Security to write. It's called citizen awareness program. This was after 9-11 and really being aware, see something, say something. So I worked with all sorts of levels of law enforcement to write a curriculum to help people be aware of their environments. And if they ever notice threats, not based on profiling, but on behaviors, what do you do and how do you take action? And then I helped start a small private high school that wanted a very rigorous uh, college prep, but experiential education high school along with a religious component. So I started that high school for six years. And then I moved to China. That's what brought me to China in Shanghai to become the curriculum director of a Chinese school, one of the most prestigious schools in China, Sun Qingling, Shui Xiao, Sun Qingling School, to start their high school, write The curriculum for their Western Division High School. And when I got there, we realized they didn't have a middle school curriculum either. So we wrote that as well. And that was the ultimate blending of my worlds when I lived in China. It just, it changed everything. It was paradigm shifting for me.
0: Ah, I see where it happens now. Now, did you speak Chinese?
1: I didn't, but I learned it. And so now I'm very good with just conversational, get around Shanghai Chinese that actually all over China and I still use it here. <laughs> Whenever I can, I'll speak Chinese with p- different people I meet and see. And I do know characters and reading, but very, very rudimentary. But uh, more than many of my colleagues, some lived there 10, 15 years and didn't speak any Chinese, which I never, I never understood. But I love Chinese. It's so much fun.
0: How long did you live there?
1: I lived there for two years. It was when our son and daughter had were off on their lives, college, and our daughter had started her career. And it was before we had grandchildren. And I said to my husband, who was stayed in Colorado, Hey, I've always wanted to go to China. Our daughter had just lived there for six months, and it's a perfect time to take this opportunity. And so I did. I came home a few times a year. He visited a few times a year. And We'd been married 32 years at the time or 30 years at the time, so we were strong and able to handle the separation.
0: Yeah. That's so Mm -hmm. interesting just to hear how people do things and where they're led to and all the doors that kind of open for them to do so. So you said this is where the paradigm shift happened. What happened when you moved to China where things started to shift?
1: Oh, great, great question. I'm going to go back just a little bit from when I started my doctorate. At the time, I had some health problems and the Western solutions just were like, what are you talking about? You can't be serious. One involved microwaving my uterus. I'm like, okay, something is wrong. My body's telling me something that's just going to mask whatever my body's communicating. And through research, I looked at so many different health models and came to Chinese medicine. Because in my mind, it had the most robust written record as a researcher from my doctorate. I really appreciated the case study, the revision, the review, the refinement over thousands of years of this medical model. And so my problem was cured in five days. And when I say cured, the root, and that's unusual. In Chinese medicine, things take longer because we're going to the root of the problem. And then my son who had asthma and was on asthma medication. For 11 years of his 13-year-old life, we got him off all medication. He hasn't had asthma attacks or any problems since. And so that was in my brain, right? That was my healthcare model and in the States. Then I moved to China. And what I understood in theory and my little exposure from my acupuncturist, I was like, oh my goodness, an entire culture of 1.5 billion people live this way. They every day know, what should I eat today? Why should I eat this? They have exercise outdoors in the park where hundreds of people are outdoors moving and the park is booked the entire morning, the entire night. Even in the afternoons, people will go and walk. Bags and bags, people would walk home. There were no fewer than five fruit and vegetable markets on just my two blocks where everybody would go home with all the fresh produce and fresh fish and fresh chickens that they had just slaughtered and the animals even every bit, nothing wasted. I'm a vegetarian, so I really appreciated that no parts of the animal were wasted. And they knew as men and women what you ate differently and did differently, especially even my middle school students at the school would chastise the girls for eating ice cream when they had their menstrual cycle cuz like they talked about it. It wasn't this big secret taboo thing. And they're like, "Ah, oh, you shouldn't be stop eating that ice cream." And so I saw live like people on the metro massaging their ears, massaging acupressure points. I saw people in their 90s, 80s, 90s moving with life, beautiful, flexible movement. And then I also saw Chinese people wealthier and more frequently than the less wealthy people who were living a Western lifestyle, Western diet, who were very overweight. They had lots of health problems, emotional, mental problems. My students in particular, I noticed that a lot for the students who had much more Western lifestyle compared to the students whose parents were still pretty true to the Asian model. And so I just saw that first. I'm like, wow, what does it look like when an entire culture is healthy and knows what it means and how you do. It's just their language with which they're raised. And then I would come home and I'd land in the airport in Seattle and I'd see babies, children, toddlers, teenagers, preteens, so heavy, many of them in like the portable, the little motor things that they had to use. And then adults, so overweight and no clue for what to do for their bodies. And my heart broke. And even more importantly, I saw the emotional struggles and the pain, the needless pain being suffered because of not living in alignment with your body and knowing what to do. So when I finished my time there, they wanted me to stay longer. My husband's like, I can't live in Shanghai. I was like, two years is enough. I'll come home. And I was like, I can't just go back into the classroom. I can't go back into the schools. I need to do something to bring about change so people... Can be healthier and happier.
0: All right. So now you're thinking of your purpose in life, shifting a little bit. And
1: Absolutely.
0: So tell me about training in traditional Chinese medicine. You yeah, that in Denver, Colorado. You did um, yeah.
1: So I started in China. My acupuncturist there. She's one of our Radiant Shanti advisors, Dr. Zhang Yifeng. And so I did classes there with her TCM meridian theory, Chinese medicine meridian theory, nutritional theory, as well as the emotional emotions. Then I did courses when I moved back to Denver that were from the Hong Kong Technical University in Hong Kong. And then I did an American Qigong certification as well. And it was Chinese method from a Taiwanese woman, but I trained in America for face reading and nutritional therapy. So those big certifications, trainings came in America, but from Chinese practitioners other than Qigong, which was an American practitioner. But trained in, obviously, all the methods are ancient methods. His teachers yeah, yeah. were from China. Yeah. So
0: how long did this training take you? And did you feel conflicted? You know, sometimes we're lifelong learners and you might have just said, you know, I want to do something and I'm interested in this. I mean, I get questions about this related to nutrition sometimes, right? Where people yeah. say, I'm interested in this topic. I would like to do more. Should I do certification, et cetera. So I wonder if it kind of started like that, or did you feel like you were going to leap into this different career?
1: It was super clear that this is going to be my career. And it isn't totally disparate because all of my life, my entire professional life has been teaching. I'm still teaching. Yeah. The second thing is that my whole professional life was helping people manifest their best selves, whether that was children at camp, children in middle school and high school. I taught college. I taught art methods. I'm an also artist and taught art method, K-12 art methods to teachers. So it's always been about manifesting our best health. The only difference is this lens with which I saw, we can't do any of that if we don't have a core understanding of our bodies and our health, right? Mental health, physical health are the foundation for everything we do to become healthy, happy, thriving people. We can't know, I always used to work with my students in honor, some were kinesthetically bodily gifted, some were cognitively gifted, some were musically gifted. and if you're not tuned into your body yourself, you won't find your gifts as easily and you won't find happiness as easily. So I see it as a continuation and an evolution versus something totally new. So that's the first thing I would say. The the next thing, the certifications were mostly just for the paper. My lived time in China working with Dr. Zhang, doing Qigong every day in the park, all of that taught me more than I learned in any of my certifications, if I'm being honest. Those were literally just to get the credentials. So people in the West who are very credential minded, like, oh, okay, she's got the paper. But honestly, I learned more in those two years living there, every night going to the park, every week, every waking moment, doing retreats and spending all the time with these Chinese practitioners, the inventors, right? Of these models of being other than the face reading, because the face reading in China, oh my gosh, people would, they would just analyze your face all the time. They would be talking about other people and they're like (laughs) such and such a thing and such and such, oh, you have such a strong face and oh, your shen is so bright. I'd heard it all the time. I saw it all the time and they used it all the time. I just needed training in it. And so that was the one training that I more than any use that beyond what I lived for sure.
0: That's so interesting. What does shen mean?
1: The great question. Shen is your spirit. We have lots of different spirits in medical Qigong looking at our bodies, and the heart spirit, the heart energy, the foundational spirit is your shen, and that shines through your eyes, this bright, shimmery glow that is you, and you can be all sorts of different personalities and still have that bright shen. You can be introverted and quiet, yet you still have that shine. You can be extroverted. We talked about the other day, the life of the party. And you have that same shine. It's just, it doesn't matter. But it's you connecting to the very deepest kernel, the deepest core of you.
0: Okay. So sh- your business is, I can't help myself. I got to ask about mm-hmm. these terms first. So Shen yes, yes, is spirit. Your business name is Radiant Shen Um, Does Shenti mean something totally different?
1: It does, but it's tied in a way. Shenti means body in the terms of how we look at the body and health. There are many different Chinese terms for body in certain ways, and I'm not expert enough in Chinese, but when I was researching what word to use, I did get kind of expert on which would be the best body. And so radiant body means really wanting the body to shine. However, shenti was also on purpose because it has shen in the word, and you're right, that's the spirit. So really the body and spirit in alignment and being radiant with health.
0: I like this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about face reading. I think I shared with you earlier this week when we met that I have always had an interest in this topic, but I have struggled to find some maybe reputable topics around it. And I could have searched harder. There are some textbooks I could have purchased to find some things. Because the reason I say it's hard to find maybe a reputable source, this is my elementary exposure to it. It's that there are maps, there are pictures of faces online and sometimes there's some discrepancies or they're a bit varied right And so if they were all the same we might be able to assume that it was more of a fact. but since they are different I struggle to find a really reputable face map. However, there's a couple that are usually the same right? So the chin can often be gynecological and I'll have you correct me and then the eyes tend to be liver. Related. Now, I find this interesting because everyone I have seen with eczema around the eye, when you support the liver, you go in the right direction. It works. And so I think results and experiences, kind of like you said in different words, is the greatest teacher for us. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a fact (laughs) for me. So I'm good with that. But I've been so curious about this. And then you appeared in my inbox one day. So here we are. So. Talk to me a little bit about maybe how you came into face reading. I know you said that you saw people talking about it, but there's apparently some different methodologies, some different, and maybe that's where different maps come from. I don't know. So if you can kind of bridge my elementary exposure and maybe even that's maybe other people's exposure too. They saw a picture online and it was a face map. Can you kind of bridge that to how it really works?
1: Absolutely. The first thing is that when I began I really wanted to find, again, I'm the researcher. (laughs) I am truly that egghead PhD person. And I did a lot of research. Like you found that there were a lot of conflicting maps and information. And I knew the acupuncture points on the face. Like we actually have meridians that run through our face, the stomach, the kidney, the gallbladder, whatnot. So we have all of those physical things. But there was so much more that the people in China were talking about. And so I went to C.T. Holman. He did some drum therapy instruction for me. And I noted that he also was a trained face reader through Lillian Bridges. I bought her book and I discovered her method. Her practice is rooted in a 300-year-old tradition, rooted in another 800-year-old tradition. So the 300 years she draws on from Taiwan is written records. And then her family was multiple generations of face readers applying this method. And so when I looked at her work and others, it just really had that case study basis that was significantly important. And here's how I really want people to understand case study. In the West, we oftentimes trust the empirical research method where we reduce all sorts of variables and we eliminate everything as possible or have similarities so we can in the lab say that this particular thing led X led to Y. And what I found in my practice when doing my master's and my doctorate in psychology and beyond was that wasn't the real world. We never eliminate variables. You don't. It's just not reality. And so for me, it's much more powerful when you have case study because what the practitioners found over these hundreds of years is if I read a face and that person's outcome is wrong, they're not going to come back to me. And so with my other face readers, I'm going to share the data, share the information, refine, 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 and I'm successful because I'm accurate. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's really not
0: far from how I view practice.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. So what is working? What is working? And then you get enough of that documentation over hundreds of years and what's left, what is distilled down, imagine your practice 300 years from now, right? If you carry this practice What are those very powerful messages and tools going to be? And when you see face reading maps, those are generally show an organ system tied to a particular area of the face. When you say reproduction in the chin, that's pretty accurate. The chin is tied to the kidneys. The kidneys are control the whole reproductive system in Chinese medicine, along with the adrenals and the urinary bladder. The eyes, definitely the skin around the eyes and eczema are tied to the heart and the lungs as well but the location of the eyes is tied to the liver. The blood connection between the liver and heart are very, very close. So your observations would be valid, right? You see treatment and care and you see improvement from that care for the liver, you care for some of these other symptoms. And I would say you'd be even more quicker response and recovery if you bring in the heart and the lungs as well. So over these hundreds of years, people had questions Questions such as, who should I marry? Who should I hire? What should my career be? Who can I trust? Who can I not trust? And should I take this risk? And a lot of very tiny, very intimate, very, very intimate life questions. And from this, and it's not a map, it's literally part by part analysis using five element theory. Chinese medicine is rooted way back thousands of years ago in Taoist thinking, where they looked at the universe and the earth, and they, to make things understandable, came up with five phases or five element theory to use to understand the world around them and then the body. And from this body network, we have the different elements tied to each of the organs that also then came into face reading. When we look at the parts of the face that physically, in regards to our health, relate to an element, We found our psycho-emotional, psychosocial aspects also revealed within these elements and within the face. So wanting to answer questions rooted in this ancient health model, the practitioners put together all of this information, and that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And for example, Lillian Bridges consults with Fortune 500 companies, and there are many practitioners that are in the work world they help people hire people or when they are hired how do you best work with a very valuable person who might have traits that are quite difficult to work with how do you use your resources to their best advantage and so that's where that came from and i took on it i wanted to do face reading because again i'm an asset based person i want people to find their strength within and face reading is a shortcut to find them things that you might never think about Or worries that you might have that you're like, Oh, I can manage that. I understand it. I see it. I can solve it or little glimpses from your past that might spark something for future growth. That's why I wanted to do face reading to help people jumpstart their happiness.
0: This is very interesting. So I know there's a couple of questions. I know you wanted to talk maybe about how face reading can show you hidden sources of stress, but maybe first, do you want to share some of the? Things that you started seeing when you started doing face reading that were either really fascinating to you, surprised you, just share a little like, open up the hood for us and tell us a little bit about what Mm -hmm. it's been like to do this, especially coming from your other careers, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd love to open the hood. And I think these will be some fun little things for your listeners. The first thing that I really was personal to me was when I did the face reading, I noticed I have very strong line coming down in between my brows. And that's called the suspended sword. And it's a sign of estrangement. And I actually have estrangement in my life. My son doesn't talk to me. He has his reasons and I want to honor the privacy of those. But it's been a big thing in my life, a very big thing, because we were very, very close and our whole family was close. And I have a tremendous sense of bitterness and loss and still joy. He's still in our lives. He talks to my husband and my daughter. And so when I saw that, I was like, whoa, I mean, I knew I had that line. I knew it was tied to liver and some anger and irritation, but it had been deepening over time. I'm like, why is this getting deeper? What's happening? I have a clean liver. I do my qigong. I do my breathing. I do my acupuncture. Why is this? And then I was like, oh my gosh. And even though I work through it, I've gone from sobbing on the floor every day to just tears trickling down my face when I see pictures of him holding his nephew and my grandson. So the growth is there, but the line is still really strong. So I was like, okay, something's very relevant here. And then through the pandemic, I never had lines on my forehead. I was like, what is going on? And I have two lines above both of my brows. And I was like, okay, let's turn to my face reading. Because I was going through the training as all of this was happening. And those are skepticism lines. And the lines were there because I'm like, what can I believe? Who can I believe? where is truth? Where is my truth? And they've diminished, thank goodness, since I really stepped back and just done my research and now I don't listen anymore. I'm like, okay, I know what I need to know and I don't need to immerse myself in the conversation any longer. And so those are diminishing, but really noticing that. And then something in the ears that I love, attached, detached, or partially attached earlobe. I was learning that when they're fully attached, that person's very tightly tied to their family of origin or a family they create, like family is critical for them, sometimes healthy, sometimes not healthy. And then people whose earlobes are loose and dangly that want nothing to do with their families. And then in between, and so I would look at my husband's ears. I'm like, oh, yeah, you've never moved away from Colorado since coming here from New York. you have so tied to your family. Very, very important. And then mine were partially attached, detached. I'm close with family, but I've traveled and I love to live away and I've moved away and come back. And then it was just so fun just to think about it and analyze that. And then really looking at how much it was hard for me to watch movies. When I saw whether it was plastic surgery or Botox or other treatments that I just knew I wasn't looking at natural faces. It was very difficult because I'm trying to read, I'm going through all the work and I still do this now. And I just have to step back and turn off that part of my brain and be like, stop analyzing, (laughs) you know, just be. And I'm so happy when I see an actor or an actress who has their lines and is natural and their face is telling the story of their lives. It's just really cool.
0: When people use Botox or some other surgical interventions, is face reading very limited to the areas that are not impacted at that point?
1: Lillian Bridges says that the face people present is what you read. So if they've created a face that has a certain look, then you read that face. At the same time, I will always ask, what is it naturally like? What is it normally look like? What did it look like before? Because they're hiding something. They're running away from something, fearful of something, or they had a trauma, a trauma that they want to not have their face reflect anymore is what I found. And I use my training, I'm a trained psychologist and I use that training to gently maybe open a little bit of that, unpack a little bit of that, and see what I find. But it is quite challenging to have live in both worlds when you have an artificially portrayed face and a naturally portrayed face. And inevitably, the naturally portrayed faces are the people are more connected genuinely to themselves, the faces I've read. And I'm not going to make a blanket statement for other faces and that people who do these treatments are not authentic it's just there's a different connection, a different energetic feel as a face reader that I've of the faces I've read that comes through more powerfully with a natural face.
0: You told me something this week that I'm going to butcher, but it was about relationships and some women looking for a relationship and they had to nurture something and something changed in their face. Will you share that?
1: I will. So this is from the developer of this kind of the bringer of this theory to the West, Lillian Bridges in that she was talking about, she had a cohort of students, 10 women who were not married. They were doing face reading with her and learning all of it. And she's like, well, your face can change. The different things we look at can change. And she looked at, they all read their hairlines and they noticed none of them had very strong yin energy, feminine energy features. And one of the most dominant Feminine energy features, or an indicator, I should say, of strong feminine energy is the widow's peak, that little part of the hairline that comes down. And so she invited them to embrace more feminine aspects of themselves. And each woman was different how she did that. For some, it was clothing. For some, it was facials or giving themselves more time to care for themselves instead of they were very young, energy, male-driven, pretty hardworking women. And over the court, over the time period of the course, they actually saw beginnings of their widow's peak forming for six out of the 10, I think it was, I don't want to quote the number, but a significant number. And many of them were, got into relationships. A couple of them got married. And so by changing their behavior, their thoughts, they changed their experience and so face reading we do the hairline the ears everything on the front of the face so it includes the ears and the forehead and so the hairline all of that's really significant in the face reading and we look at the size of your nostrils oh lovely but we do we look at the lines above your lips the lines in your ears we have emotional maps that show long sorrows and sadness as well as joy We look at age maps, your age, your face is mapped from zero because you're born at zero in Chinese medicine to 99 and men and women have different age maps. Their faces are different. And again, where does this come from? The experience, the case studies, they validated it. When I see this, then this is, we're showing this over and over and over again to be true.
0: Right. It's individual research instead yep. of like a group research. And, and they
1: understand. did pool. They did pool the data, right? Like all the face reader, you know what I mean? It was definitely a cohort and there are other methods, but all of the Chinese medicine face reading methods are, they're pretty similar. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I always find that a lot of good quality natural medicine modalities, as there are many, point to Chinese medicine in some capacity when I see that.
1: Definitely, they do. And that's because it's hard to get past thousands of years of written record, right? They have even longer, 6,000 years of practical, but the written record's 2,800 years old and then it's been revised and revisited. Like that's pretty remarkable. That's and crazy. I,
0: yeah, it's hard it's, to it's, imagine.
1: <laughs> I know. It's fabulous. It's just really interesting. Yeah. So let me know ever any other under the trunk things you'd like me to share because it's oh. really quite cool.
0: I have a feeling this isn't our last conversation because I really am intrigued by this. Okay. So when people come and do face reading and they Mm -hmm. learn about themselves, what do you think? I mean, because people always want to say, like, tell me the tangible piece here, Krista. So this is going to be our attempt at the tangible piece. People come in, do a face reading with you. What are some of the things that they move forward? And I mean, you kind of mentioned about you were really interested in like people's assets of themselves and their understanding yeah. of themselves. So tell me a little bit about things that happen after that or what comes from that experience for them.
1: Yeah. So the most common thing I see from people is in their relationships. So when we talk, for example, about the zones of the face and are they a thinking, a sensing, does it logical or feeling person? It really helps give them language to talk with their partners, to talk with their family and advocate for themselves in ways that help them feel strong in their relationships. And it also helps them, for example, if they feel, why am I always so tired after family events and we read on their eyes that their eyes are set behind their brow bone and they have introversion tendencies where they need to be alone to recharge. We look at tools and strategies they can Adopt to really flourish in these. Some people are very interested financially. They really want to know about their money. Some people, for example, have a huge, they spend money too freely. And we can see that in the ears. We can see gambling problems in the ears, potential gambling problems. A really great one that I think comes up also in addition to money is physical ability. A lot of people that I read for are in their forties up to seventies, even. And they were raised in an era, many of them, where women, for my female clients that I read, that they were not athletic. They were, you're not encouraged to do sports. You're not encouraged to take physical risk. And yet their eyebrows, their ears all indicate that they should be taking some of these physical risks. It's good for their mind and emotions. So that encourages and motivates them to start trying a new sport or something. When we look at the philtrum with some of my clients, they realize, oh, I have used to be creative, but I lost it. And the philtrum shows us they need it for their physical and emotional health. They've got to tap into, and it's not creative, like I'm artsy. It's creative, like creating. Am I creating a business? Am I creating a garden? Am I creating new growth in people that I mentor? Am I creating health? For example, I mean, like for you, you create health. So really giving them tools and insights. Listening to what they need in their lives and helping them use what the face tells us. and sometimes they think they've overcome something and the face tells us they haven't, and it's more important than they thought., yeah. and so they need to reflect back on it.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. I see that exact thing so free. yeah. I also have been reflecting a lot on how our relationship with self affects our relationship with others, which is you're echoing yeah that exact same sentiment. Dr. Julie, you've said, one of the things I want to ask you where people can find you online, and you noted that you have a 10-minute eye reading. And I wanted to ask, how is that different than iridology?
1: I don't know about iridology. I have to confess, is that Western eye reading?
0: I think so. But don't quote me. This is how I always perceived it. Okay. And it's just, some people are trained in this, and it's kind of like, reflexology in the eye, right? Like there's foot reflexology. Um, And I don't know if foot reflexology comes from Chinese medicine. I don't know. It
1: does. Well there's a European and a Chinese. So I do there is Chinese medicine eye map for the different organs in the body. And if that's iridology, I do know that. Okay. Yeah. So I I do know totally different. When we do when I do a health reading of the eye, I'm looking for completely different things. Like I can look at sugar processing imbalances. I can look at kidney imbalance. There's liver imbalance, all sorts of things that we can see with a physical eye reading. And so that's one thing that's very clear. The readings that I do, because I like to send people to their acupuncturist for the physical stuff, I just feel that they can get the physical treatment they need when they do that. So I always refer people, if I happen to see when I'm doing a face reading, a physical problem, I'll refer them to a Chinese medicine practitioner. That's what I recommend. They can choose who they go see, but that's what I recommend. But so with the eye reading, we look at a lot of different things. So the eyes are all about how you express emotion, how you use your words, and how you are affected by relationships. So for example, if your outer eye of your eye is covered somewhat by your upper eyelid, oftentimes that means you had a domineering mother that really didn't let you come into your own and you haven't still to this day asserted your will in a healthy way. We'll look at the inner canthus, the inner corner of the eye. How are you? Are you hurtful with your words? Are you too kind with your words? Do you hold back and do you express your emotions too freely? Or are you too withheld, do you withhold your emotions too much? So the eye reading really focuses on relationships, the potential for relationships and how past relationships might be affecting you.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. So Dr. Julie, where can people find you online?
1: So you can find me at radiantshanti.com. And for the face reading, just scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see it in one of the lower right columns, It's just something that I love to do and support. So that's where you can learn. That'll take you to a page with lots of information on why do a face reading, how to sign up for a face reading and all of that. And there you can also sign up for the free eye reading. So it's 10 minutes, super fun. For the full face reading, maybe I can just describe the process. You'll send me sure. photos. And I take those photos, I take quite a bit of time and write up your report, your unique report with the features on your face. And then when we meet, I review and go over what came up on your face. And if you really feel like you want, so for some of my clients, I do recommend Qigong videos that we have. For some people, I will, again, like I said, recommend an acupuncturist Chinese medicine doctor. But so with the eye reading, it's just a fun, free way to learn a little bit about yourself and then to see if you like it. So you don't send me pictures, we just meet and I do a quick analysis of your eyes and share with you, here are some of the relationships thing things that are coming through on your eyes. So it's really cool.
0: Mm, this is fun. So if you go do either of these things with Dr. Julie, reach out to me online and tell me how it went for you because yeah, please. I did this, I felt like it was very resonating for me. I need to go back and review those reports. I'm looking at this as a gift option. It's very fun. So I just personally value this. think it's very interesting. So I appreciate you coming on today. I hope sometime you'll come back and we can talk about another similar topic.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, definitely with Qigong and a lot of the nutritional work you do, there's some beautiful benefits, I think, that overlap. So I'd love to chat with you again.
0: All right. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on today.